welcome to another fantastic episode of Radio Zaddy, your queer fix for this month, this uh, this week, this day. We're providing you the queer lens uh, into history, science, uh, technology, social, your social life, your childhood. We'll be reviewing everything. <laughs> Send us your life stories and we'll let you know. Yeah we'll let you know yeah so welcome to radio zaddy you're here with me daisy thurston gent and over on the other side of the interwebs we've got uh, hannah bestwick hey, hey hannah how was uh, how was your day today? it was okay lots of uh, running about madly to like all over london yeah i had an appointment with an old dentist that is just because i've moved house it took me an hour and a half to get there which feels a bit stupid really but never mind it's what? done What's done is London's done. a big old place. It is. <laughs> How's your day been? I sort of only move within a sort of mile radius of my my bed essentially at the moment. Nice. Isn't there like a, a Kafka quote in his memoirs? He said how his entire life or his entire childhood can kind of be boiled down to like a, a ten mile radius or five mile Whoa. radius, um, essentially like central Prague. Oh, I didn't. And that's know kind that. of how I feel. Uh, not just not just because twenty twenty one is a kind of Kafka esque dystopian mm. version of the future that I never thought I'd witness, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you know every day is am i going to wake up as a gigantic insect um you know we've all we've all been there exactly exactly i was quite i was really into kafka when i was um when i was a, a teenager um which probably says a lot about me doesn't it i don't know does it daisy <laughs> i think it says uh i think it says that gives the wrong message you know it's not something to put on the put on the tinder is it right right okay yeah wherever yeah, yeah, the goths go to get their dates these days you know anyway uh, i digress <laughs> my week's been fine is uh, is the short answer to that i didn't wake up on my back as a gigantic insect um hey, i lived good. to fight another day <laughs> live to fight the apocalypse once more i mean ironically as a cockroach i would do better in the apocalypse it's what they say but i don't know if that's true i think it's just one of those things where people are like what's the one thing that i can never get rid of the cockroaches in my house i bet they do well in an apocalypse i don't think it's really true and it's like what they say about do you think it's an urban urban yeah because they say about twinkies too don't they the twinkies will supply the apocalypse but it's just a joke about how many artificial things are in it and how it'll never go off that's so funny uh yeah yeah set it on fire it's okay have you seen Wally? Mm. You know he's got that little cockroach friend. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> it's so good. Okay, so uh, it's the the world has ended. We've covered everything in trash, and it's just like we've absolutely destroyed the world uh, by what we're doing now. Anyway, uh, basically, and Wally is a little robot. He's the only thing left on Earth uh, that we think. And the two friend, no, the one friend he has is a cockroach. And he feeds the cockroach Twinkies, and they're the only two things that have survived the apocalypse with him. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe with our queer lens, we can uh, we can talk about how Twinks will survive instead, and how you know I'm sure there's a metaphor there about how <laughs> you know LGBT people are um, have been through, and you know we've survived through centuries as we are discovering on this um, on this podcast journey. We're timeless. We are timeless, and we've always been there, and uh, we will remain. You know, we'll adapt. Um, all the dystopian movies I see are, you know, pretty heavily queer coded anyway. So I think yeah. I think we're all right. <laughs> we're just waiting for the excuse, aren't we, to sort of run around um, and not have to be kind of chained to our desks in the corporate world. Anyway, well, exactly. Anyway, indeed. <laughs> so this week I'm gonna um, I'm gonna leave quite a lot of room for discussion, and I'm hoping that this will kind of you know wet our juices to you know have some really fruitful discussions about. Um, 
about queerness in uh, in the virtual world and on mm. uh, in online spaces. And what sort of sparked my interest was a few weeks ago I read um, the Digital 2021 Global Overview Report. Whoa, okay. Very exciting report. Uh, do, you need that, do you need that name again? Uh, it's, yeah. It's the Digital 2021 Global Overview Report. Okay, what's right? it about? And, um, I say I read it. I read most of it, right? It's about 300 slides. Um Ooh. And it's basically, it's an annual report that um, compiles data from uh, the UN, local government bodies, social media platforms and other companies about our digital growth, our global digital growth over the Mm. last year. So, and this was published in January, um, January 2020. So last month, and I'm just going to kind of set the scene for the episode really. Uh, with some cold hard facts about some our sort of digital consumption and um, and social media in particular, I'm going to hit you with the statistics, baby. So between uh, Jan 2020 and 2021, the number of uh, active social media users increased by 13.2 percent, um, which might not sound like a lot, but uh, that equates to four t- 490 million people. Oh my god! Started using social media last year alone. And that started okay. using social media um, for the first time. That's not even just like they've started, they've so signed were, up to new platforms. Yeah, so it increased, yeah, exactly. 490 pe- million people started using a new a new form of social media okay. uh, that year. Yeah, and, and they, mu- they might have used some other kind before that. Uh, potentially. Let me have a look at my statistics again. Oh, sorry. Um, so that, that takes, yes, yeah, so that takes the... Um, the total number of active social media users to 4.2 billion across the world, wow. um, which is just over half of the entire global population. So, Jesus, you know, yeah. the jungle is massive. <laughs> jungle is massive. So I was kind of looking and the report, it goes into so much detail about, you know, different uh, websites and different platforms. Um, it shows that the fastest growing Facebook audience uh, is the over 65, uh, over 65s. Classic. Yeah, um, of course. That's apparently what, that's what retirement looks like in 2020, apparently, just get on Facebook. We've got politicians on Twitch, endless numbers of brands signing up to oh, TikTok. Oh, yeah, AOC. Oh, my like, God. You know, there's nowhere sacred. You know, there's nowhere sacred on the internet. <laughs> but basically, social yeah, social active social media use has increased by thirteen point two percent, which is a huge leap between Jan twenty twenty and and Jan twenty twenty one. Yeah. Some interesting stuff I found. Ninety six point six percent of internet users between the ages of sixteen and sixty four own a smartphone, compared to sixty four percent who own a laptop or or device. Thirty four percent who use a tablet, and twenty one point four percent who use games consoles so the the smartphone yeah so 96 percent that's a like huge majority um by far the most popular and accessible route uh to the virtual world and Mm. it fits in your pocket and you carry it around wherever you go yeah yeah you know we we know this it's just quite amazing to (laughs) say yeah and look at it and smartphones like mobile phone companies or whatever you know the networks they're now like rebranding themselves as technology companies and are the way that they make having a smartphone essentially accessible through you know uh, yeah. long periods of paying it back means that some of the richest and poorest people will have exactly the same phone and it is the most i think it is the most accessible form of like smart technology now because they don't you don't really get those kind of offers for laptops or for tablets but you do for mm. phones yeah and it's really interesting it's recognizing that you know that is people's 
way in to the internet because that's mm. what people want they want they want the internet in their pockets it's a lifeline isn't it yeah and um so i think you know companies are recognizing that this is by far the most popular and you know and accessible uh, route into the virtual world and um the smartphone has been described i think i sent you this clip um by comedian pete holmes i don't know if you know him um mm-hmm. it's been described as having a drunk know-it-all in your pocket yeah and he does this great sketch about um you know having immediate access to google means that all of a sudden we know everything but as he stated in and this is 2011 he said this um we're not a lick smarter for it mm-hmm. and he goes on to say like because of this period between knowing and not knowing is so brief that it feels exactly the same and you know there's no time for mystery or wonder uh, and so life is essentially meaningless mm. there's no there's no chance to like I, I kinda... engage with that not knowing either and trying to work it out you just yeah, google it yeah and i was someone was telling me there's like maybe they made this up but like in hindsight maybe they did but uh something called like the google effect where it's harder to remember things that are easily googleable you know if you can look something mm, out yeah. something up really easily it's harder to remember it because yeah. it's almost like not worth the effort of learning it yeah you don't you don't bother learning it do you i mean how, what was the percentage that i said about who owns a smartphone in the oh world? see wasn't that 96 percent? i learned that because you taught me it <laughs> good okay there was some, I, I feel I like I had to concentrate, it. but if I just Googled it, like I think a few days ago, I Googled the population of the world. I can't tell you what that figure was. I can't even tell you what time it was last yeah. time I looked at the phone. <laughs> yeah, there's a, I'm going <laughs> to, it's crazy, isn't it? I think there's still a lot of like negative press around social media as well. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's impact on young people. There's a lot of, there's, you know, since the internet's been around, there's been a huge like connection between, you know, it being a social um, tool and, you know, depression and all that kind of stuff. But I, I'm actually going to talk, I'm going to kind of contest what Pete Holmes said, and I'm going to maybe argue in favour a bit of, of social media um, in terms of queer development specifically. Mm. Um, but I think it is just best to establish, like, first, how much of an impact social media currently has on our lives. Um, yeah. And yeah, that report, the Global Digital Report, basically just determines... It determines that the average amount of time spent on the internet per day across all devices is uh, six hours, 54 minutes. So that's quite a lot of time. Um, and two hours, 25 minutes of that is spent just on social media. That The average amount of time for per day for everyone using the internet. Two, two and a, yeah, two and a half hours just on social media, the average. Oh my gosh. So yeah, just let that sink in. So globally, uh, the reasons we use the internet sort of right at the top is defined as finding information just just knowing stuff yeah 63 percent of the time that's what people are using the internet for that's what they've disclosed they're going online for is to find something out uh, the second most common reason is to stay in touch with family and friends um, and after that it's keeping up with news and events so those are kind of the top three uh, reasons why you would get out your phone and you know it's, it's not doom scrolling it's like specific uh, reasons yeah. Um, and then all the yeah. way at the bottom of the scale, apparently, is meeting new people um, at 29.9%. Um, so for all of all of those, uh, all of you still like sliding into people's DMs and stalking your crushes on Facebook in 2020, like <laughs> your behavior is really in the minority now. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I was going to say, are you so, sure? Um... <laughs> because Tinder and Bumble, I feel like they they consume a lot of time scrolling and swiping <laughs> but maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm just uh, a bit too picky when I've i don't know what them. the average amount of time is for you know a kind of a tinder sesh like i'm not i'm not on i'm not on the app so i don't know also does i'm not sure whether that is classified as social media uh, compared to yeah. like instagram like an instagram sesh might be like 
half an hour or 20 minutes whereas tinder might be like four minutes whoa those aren't real facts i've just pulled those out of nowhere yeah you you made that right up just right now i made that right (laughs) up i can do that Uh, so as I said, I'm going I'm to talk about social media in this episode primarily, and there's going to be a lot of room for nostalgia and queer reflection, um, but I just wanted to frame kind of the research I've been doing just with some of those facts to let you know where we're at uh, currently in the digital age. Mm, yeah, cool. So according to SEMrush, based on total website traffic, the infamous uh, Facebook is still ranked as the third most visited uh, website in the world. Okay. Not a surprise, really. No, not really, but still good to know. Pornhub. Okay. Is that social media? Is, uh, Pornhub is more popular. It's more popular than Instagram. Whoa. So, you know, for people who aren't on uh, Tinder, they're just, you know, going straight, Wait. To, straight to Pornhub. Is that social media, though? <laughs> this is just on um, website traffic. Uh, so this oh, is okay. just kind of okay, the cool. general. <laughs> right, cool. I was so confused because I know they have a comments section, but I was like, I Are doubt you sure Pornhub uh, is, <laughs> is classified as social media. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's like the old school forum, right? Where, you know, you meet people. No, I'm not endorsing that. Yeah, all right. Surprisingly, uh, Yahoo.com is more popular than Twitter. Is that just because it's some people's home, like, home website when they open up <laughs> the browser? Yeah, it's, just the def- it's just the default. No one's actually visiting it. <laughs> anyway, there's always surprises out there. Um, th- those are just some, some things that made me laugh during, the, uh, during <laughs> reading the report. Yeah, that was good. Shout out to all the Yahoo.com uh, fans around the globe. Um, yeah. But, you know, it got me thinking about um, how, like, young queer people um, kind of often fall into this this social category of, of being kind of outcast. And it can, certainly for for me, like, I, I felt that it led to me spending a lot more time online growing up yeah. and in the virtual spaces um, where you know, you can be, you can feel accepted uh, in your authentic self um, or at least, you know, be undetected as, you know, anonymous. Um, I know that happens, you know, if you wish, like on lots of gaming platforms, you know, to live through a kind of an avatar or a virtual representation of yourself that you can build. Yeah, yeah. They're really good for that. And I think also it's important, it's also important to kind of recognise that this is, you know, the internet is the window you know, this is their window to the world, which, you know, of course, it can be potentially damaging and exclusive uh, as it is open and progressive. But what we see is, you know, technology has become this extension of the self from the way uh, we present ourselves online down to the very devices that we own. So a lot, if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, uh, as a kid, you might have like quite a specific memory of like a very troubled relationship with, um, you know, the, the dial up. Uh, the parents' desktop machine. Oh God, yeah, the dialogue you know, wasn't forever in my soul. <laughs> exactly, like, and you know, it would be like maybe a family computer as well. Like, maybe that would be downstairs, and you'd, you know, you'd have to kind of, you know, you couldn't just be on your laptop or your smartphone all into the evening. You know, it was very it was much in such a public space. And like, I had, yeah, I learned yeah. how to um, clear browser history at a very young age because I was like <laughs> googling gay shit, like what is a lesbian, and then being like, oh. God, I have to scrub that from the machine, otherwise then they'll know. It's terrible, isn't it? Like, we talked about this in the AI episode. Like, why is Googling what is a lesbian, you know, why is that shameful? It's just, you know, it's just another bit of knowledge that you need. Yeah. So, you know, this, the internet, you know, so that that desktop machine was our our way into a new realm of being, you know, a new, Mm. a dawn of us being comfortable uh, 
in our authentic selves. Um, you know, we could create gender bending avatars um, and, you know, ha- force our sims to have queer relationships. But, it all, you know, it all happened kind of because of, you know, the Internet. We were given so much more freedom as um, you know, like young queer people growing up who may have not even, you know, recognised that within ourselves, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And I think for queer people, social media platforms offer this unique space for um, for co-creation and um, and for active engagement over invisibility and, and kind of bystanding. Like, you're allowed to engage now and that's what the specific difference of social media is. Because mm. I guess before, you know, we could, we you know, there were chat rooms and forums and kind of and blogging. Blogging was quite... Um, you know quite a valuable space um in the early kind of days of the internet um yeah and i think like there's also things about uh fan fiction right uh, like writers uh mm-hmm. forums or whatever you call them i don't i never read or did it my, like did any fanfic writing myself but i i've been told many times that there's such a queer under and overtone mm-hmm. to a lot of fan fiction and that's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. a place to congregate and find other people like you in the comments and stuff like that yeah but, exactly yeah there was there's a, a lot of like like ability to have some freedom in in like the digital spaces especially like you said you know online when you get to create an avatar or like just not have one and then you can just tell anybody mm-hmm. what you are and they can't tell because it, there was no mm-hmm. kind of physical at least in the early days of social media and um sites that I used to use that no longer exist just like you didn't necessarily have to present yourself in any way other than just like what you told people you didn't have to put pictures on you didn't have to like say your gender or anything you just signed up and and went from there and you could just say I'm gay and it was like a for me it was a place to sort of start articulating that through writing Mm. before I was ready to say it out loud you know Yeah. yeah and there's a lot of kind of coding isn't there as well like we've spoken about before and you know in these like in blogs and on like forums and, and chat um chat rooms comment sections of fanfic sites like all that you know it's these kind of curated uh lists and, and pathways of information giving people kind of notable sources to go and follow and saying like oh you know there's this space and you kind of you click on one link and you go to another and suddenly you're in your place and you found your your safety yeah but it was obviously yeah. a lot a lot harder to come by um you know back in the early days of the internet and now it's so readily accessible you, mm. know, you type in queer history and you're yeah exactly no. there wasn't there wasn't the algorithms back then to be like oh you're in one queer group you might like this other one you had to like go and find it but it was you know is it you had is to do the work yeah yeah, yeah. So it was harder, but it was still. It's just as important uh, when it's easy to find than when it's hard to find. You know. Hell yeah. So you know, and there's also this um, kind of confessional nature to blogging, which is, yeah. I think, something that can be inherently uh, connected to queerness. In that, there's not only this opportunity to describe your your experience, but to claim it, claim an identity in a public forum that may not otherwise be available. You know, as you say, you can tell someone I'm gay or yeah. I'm this, and it doesn't come into question because it's just that's then a fact that you've put out into the world. Yeah, because nobody knows you to say otherwise. Yeah. So of course, with the rise in popularization of uh, social media, all these kind of all these examples are now hugely accessible to lgbt youth nowadays but in the 90s like these were you know these vital snippets of queer lifestyle were far less exposed and kind of felt maybe a bit off limits um and were kind of confined to these kind of closed off corners of the internet that you'd have to discover through extensive research so i think it is a really positive position that uh, young people are in queer young people are in now yeah they don't have to put in uh you know all the legwork they can just find get to those places a lot quicker let's say so i read uh I read a thesis by uh, Matthew 
Gregory Carrasco called Queering Online Spaces, LGBT Plus Performances, Motive, Social Media Design. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, what's like, why do we need yep. queer online spaces? I was going to say, like, what mm. what is the need specifically for us? There is because mm. there is a need. But what do you what do you think it is? Yeah, I think there definitely is a need and I think so in this in the thesis it kind of examines the changing experiences uh, that LGBT uh, plus people have on on the various social media channels that there are and why you know why there's a certain pull towards certain media outlets um, for people in the queer community over others something that came out of the research was you know the fact that queer people are more way more likely to have um, to use multiple social media platforms for example as a way of kind of managing um privacy like online between their different audiences and it's kind of recognizing mm. all the different strands and kind of you know performative elements that a queer person might have to play within their lives certain accounts um you know multiple it's really common to have multiple personal accounts as a queer person across different platforms to kind of de you know mm. deter intolerant family members or you know non-close friends from invading this kind of online privacy and and space where they have built it to be safe and to be authentic mm. and that becomes mm. you know very very valuable protected space really yeah and it is so important to be able to like have that privacy especially when you're exploring who you are if you're not out say mm. and you can yeah. in some ways do that online less so now that like if you signed up on the same device it'll start suggesting you to some of your other friends but so long as it's mm. put in a couple of measures it won't it won't do that but it's also like I think LGBT people can feel so isolated because because of um feeling different because we feel separate from the kind of cishet like mm. normal discourse that goes on even even on yeah. like social media like a lot of social media has like a really coded practice that's quite cis and het like instagram is one of them if you end up i don't know i followed like one or two like gym and health fitness blogs on instagram and now everything i'm getting is so straight it's so straight and it's so annoying i'm so sorry for you. but you want to be able to it's okay it's okay i'm gonna i'm gonna sort it out um it's important to be able to connect with people that are like you so that you know that you're not actually different you're just you just haven't met other people like you yet i think that's one of yeah. the things that i got out of like uh finally joining like my first meetup i used meetup to meet other other mm -hmm. queer people when i moved to bristol which was you know a long time ago it was like i finally like had some queer friends in the city that i was living in and it just made all the difference to not have to talk about that part of me every time I hung out with friends because that's all straight people wanted to ask me about you know yeah it's a gateway isn't yeah it? and I think that is something to consider with how people how queer people exist um at the moment you know in 2020 managing all these online personas which may be quite different to home life or a work this behavior of switching between your kind of public and private identities multiple identities uh, mm. speaks so much of the queer experience you know constantly discovering you know deciding what to reveal what to disclose and indeed you know hiding still hiding parts of yourself in this kind of ever-changing yeah. curated feed of of what you're trying to or what you're willing to put out into the world yeah yeah, I'm reading. Um, I'm currently reading On Connection mm -hmm. by uh, Kay Tempest, and they actually talk quite a lot about um, the internet in the book. And um, they describe the internet as a, a place to establish and reaffirm ourselves as members of this or that tribe who share this or that belief mm. system and are suspicious of those of people who disagree. <laughs> and there is this kind of you know, like you, you once you've found your people, you know, on the internet, it can be very different to kind of then go into those 
conversations with you know less tolerant people and i think yeah like i i I rarely use facebook anymore like because it's full of you know people i went to school with and yeah you know that's just not relevant to my life as a loud and proud (laughs) queer person do you know what i mean like yeah yeah i mean like you know my mum's friends don't need to know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god yeah and it is a lot oh, of like because you, know I mean? you what you mentioned about the over 65s or the over 60s or whatever being majority the majority of the newcomers to to like facebook it is it is interesting because like my mom's friends and stuff have got started had started adding me on facebook and i'd gone through a cull of friends and like i'd like untagged myself from hundreds and hundreds of very drunk photos from uni and eventually like i got all these ads from my mum's mates my mum doesn't have facebook so that's not a problem but they were all adding me and eventually i was just like you know what why why do i still have this account i don't even use facebook chat i don't put any photos up it's been the same profile picture for about the last six years like what 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 have i even got this for and so i just got rid of it i just deleted it it's it's made no difference to my life but it was also like another yeah, thing yeah. to not have to worry about you know yeah you can put that focus that effort into yahoo.com now can't you you know exactly oh have you ever spent any time reading the yahoo questions they are nope. so good <laughs> they're like there's a, a, a podcast called my brother my brother and me and it's really funny they do um occasional episodes where they just go through some of the yahoo questions and answers which are things like can i get paragont from boyfriend kiss question mark and they'll try and answer and, and like is it weird to kiss your dad on the mouth and they'll try and uh, not give real advice but they try and work out what they would say <laughs> to somebody who was asking that kind of question it's really good anyway <laughs> you carry on so in uh, to go back to uh, carrasco's uh, study part- uh, participants in the study uh, perceived that a lot of um, older um, and or less tolerant family members um were less likely to be on um, platforms such as Instagram or or Tumblr or Mm. TikTok, for example. Um, So you see a lot of these, um, you know, a lot of young people using those spaces um, because uh, they're able to be more, uh, you know, more out, more more open, uh, more authentic, more truthful. Um, But there was a certain expectation that um, they may need to curb what they were posting for Facebook specifically because... Um, there would likely to be more outdated contacts in their friendship list. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned doing like a cull, a, you know, a cull of friends. And I think so many people will have done that over the years. You know, people from school, distant distant family members who the individual might not random want. Random people you mate on yeah, holidays. Yeah, random people. Yeah. You don't want prying into your personal identity, you know, particularly when it comes to yeah. such, you know, things like gender and sexuality, which are, you know, so deeply personal. Mm. And I think you often see that there's this huge favoritism in the queer community, um, or a slight preference at least for, um, especially like millennials, for um, these kind of less commercialised platforms. You know, places like Tumblr were seen as like the birthplace for queer internet culture. Yeah. I think that's because it kind of reminds users of those, like those early online spaces for focused interaction, you know, like messaging boards and forums, which were used by smaller groups. I think that's the kind of the key, you know, it felt more uh, intimate you know a lot more niche you know yeah. subreddits are, are really popular with queer people because it's just so focused and yeah it's so interesting as well though that like something that's similar between like for example between tumblr and reddit is again that you don't have to present yourself specifically it's about your interests and your and your like words whereas mm. facebook yeah. is so much about like your you. you post photos on it you post like what you're looking like what you're uh, like what you're up to well that was like the original thing about facebook is like yeah you, yeah 
want to look at someone whereas the yeah the other two are about your interests and that's quite an interesting parallel and you can Mm. lead by what you're you know you can choose to lead by kind of art and articles and these kind of yeah methods of self-expression that don't involve yeah you having to disclose anything as you say it's just about your interests Mm. and so on uh, instagram users obviously benefit from being able to switch quite quickly um, and easily switch your account into being uh, private in order to prevent unwanted visitors. Facebook and Instagram let users temporarily deactivate your account, which are features that really appeal to LGBT people, you know, who mm. might panic in, in the face of like a potential outing or whatever. Like there are these kind of security and privacy me- measures like in place to kind of react to those needs that that do affect lgbt people Mm, yeah but going back to what um yeah what you were saying about the kind of anonymity of of tumblr and there was a common uh worry between carrasco's participants of accidental disclosure meaning that Mm. like an unintentional outing could occur based on like the information appearing in one's uh, facebook feeds you know unlike in in a facebook group which is quite closed um, and secure, a person's feed is far less regulated and actions such as clicking, like attending or interested in a particular event yeah. or liking a certain page could, um, you know, participate. Yeah, it used like, to come up on the feed and every, everybody would see it, wouldn't they? Yeah. And even if you just updated your, like, I remember a friend of mine updated their, like, interested in, you know, interested mm. men and women. They'd put, like, men and women. And as soon as they updated it, it went into everybody's feed. So everybody yeah, knew. Yeah. And then like finally I did mine when I was at uni mm. to be interested in women because that was Facebook was still the main way we connected with people yeah. uh, while I was at uni. And like a few of my very old school friends like reacted to it with a like liked the post that said I'd, mm. I'd updated my status and I was like filled with dread because I was like oh for fuck's sake like yeah. this person that I had like maths and you're sort with of doing once... that for new people yeah, yeah it's just yeah, like you're, whole not, you're not thing. expecting it to be like an announcement I didn't yeah. need and, like, it to so be either, many people, I didn't want it to be yeah so many people just don't even include so I think that the data is skewed for Facebook right like, because so many like queer people they must just not fill it in you know who's going to fill in the interested in column on facebook because it's just unnecessary like it's unnecessarily Mm. you know to come out to your nan by saying oh changed my preferences or changed my interest in the same way like yeah like if you're going to click um oh i like rupaul's drag race like somebody yeah is gonna see that so i'll be like hello what's that about yeah and they'll just make you know people will make judgments and I think a lot of participants of this study uh, uh, were, were quite sort of reserved about that. Um, one of them said, um, you know, they would know I was queer because of the events I'm going to, events like roller derby um, and pride and liking drag shows and, and all that stuff. And it's just, it really, it really skews this kind of the cons- consent about, um, you know, privacy, doesn't it? It's just like this mm. unregulated space. Because as well, like, honestly, I still believe that there's no... Like Facebook is still one of the best ways to organize events. I think it's really good mm-hmm. and really helpful way to organize events, but it just doesn't offer the kind of privacy in terms of what you're going to that you need as a queer person. Yeah. Yeah. So I've known like a lot of queer people like moving away from Facebook because it's mm-hmm. it's just telling everyone your business. It's telling all my mum's friends that I was going to Dalston Superstore to go to like, I don't know, Big Dykes get naked nights or something like that. Like <laughs> it's just can't wait for that, that one to come back. It's called, but it was it was bas- <laughs> that's basically down. what it is, isn't it? Um <laughs> yeah. and yeah, I couldn't you can't just just tells everyone your business. It is. And like 
you know, there's such a... So a lot of the participants were just reinforcing this um, importance of... So, like, there's a huge importance in visibility, right? But I think people... What they're saying is they prefer selective visibility, um, you know, yeah. to be out on their own terms. Um, you know, generally more to participants were generally more out to their lgbt plus audiences and friends um, and far less so to cisgender people or or heterosexuals just because maybe it's not relevant yeah to you if you have a particular friendship as you're growing up not everything is going to be is going to be relevant and i think the language around social media is is interesting you know the very fact that we must publish our personal content on social media is mm. a reminder that we're just we're constantly constructing parts of ourselves for public consumption yeah so you can't just update your mood because it's telling you to publish it and i think that's so scary but yeah. also fine announce <laughs> and we buy into it <laughs> um and also there's this kind of concern about, you know, what we say about ourselves on social media, it stays there, even once we've kind of exited this this stage. Another thing that Kay Tempest states is all moments are incomplete until they have been digitised, made browsable, and it all just sits there on our various profiles performing. I think that's mm, a nice quote. Yeah. Yeah, this idea that I can, you know, I can be on Twitter at 11 o'clock and then I, I sign out and I go to sleep, but Daisy tg poetry is still doing her thing you know she's still still there and still there for yeah still there for people to browse and sort of have a look at your thoughts and that's it is a scary thing as well because your thoughts are there for all time unless you ask for them to be removed you know there was Mm -hmm. recently a an actress sacked from her upcoming role in the color purple because of a uh, post that she did in 2014 where she said that she believed it was it was sinful to be gay and, you know, mm. it was a shame that our the law of the land, as she called it, allowed it to be possible to be gay, but she didn't think it was she did think it was a choice. And there was the new editor in chief of Gay Times. Someone went back and looked in his tweets that he'd been saying uh, racist things about like Asian gay men and about lesbians, disparaging comments about lesbians. And, and it is always there mm. just because you've said yeah. it and you've forgotten about it. It doesn't mean it's not there anymore. And like you said, yeah. it's always performing on your behalf yeah definitely and that's creepy you know people in the trans community using facebook might opt to create a new profile altogether in order to um you know exist authentically going forward um online rather than you know rather than edit and modify your kind of pre-existing profiles you know it's a lot of effort to read you know to remove and to kind of doc you know you know the profile that documented their their lives kind of pre-transition and you know that can be a lot of effort for for people so um i was just i was thinking about that the other day because I remember being at uni and I had a trans friend and someone showed me a, prick, a profile picture of theirs from years ago of them mm. before they transitioned. Like I saw something that I, sh- I shouldn't have seen basically that wasn't part of how I knew them and it wasn't it wasn't I wasn't entitled to see that or to know that that's what they looked like before yeah and so yeah a lot of time people just get rid of it right yeah but it's also like a lot of effort to go back and untag yourself from photos you can't just select all and untag you have to go through every single photo Mm -hmm. one by one because I did this through my uni years and untag yourself and it takes a lot of effort and if you are dysphoric of seeing yourself looking like as you did before your transition it's going to be a very difficult process to go through and that's why people you know opt to get a new profile but it doesn't always seem like it's an easy option but the there is a lot to be said that like actually queer people although there is a lot to be said for what can be beneficial about social media there is still a lot of risk for queer people online a risk of Mm. 
abuse and a, like harassment because there is also disinhibition for the for queer people online exploring themselves but there's disinhibition for people going and saying awful horrible things to people they yeah. don't know you know yeah that anim- anonymity really you know is is one of the most dangerous things and you know it happens so much on twitter and instagram and you know because you can cut straight mm. to the source you know you can just you can bully someone straight into their inbox and harass someone like 24 hours a day right if you are a yeah. hideous troll but in a lot of the research i and found there's like, not very much you can do about that there isn't and you know a lot of the abuse is actually very explicit and which is really really troubling um but i think social media like there is such a lot of power and can be i think on the whole like some of this research that i've been um reviewing is is really arguing about the benefits and how even participants in these studies are actually saying the benefits hugely outweigh the positives you know for trans youth to, to as a trans person existing in 2021 like this type of representation like the wealth of representation which is on the internet is is game changing you know you can follow someone's entire transition online if you want to you know you can you know on youtube there are bloggers who offer like in-depth documentation of you know their medical social personal journeys you know from the beginning you know taking testosterone getting top surgery and life experiences as a trans person you know it's so crucial to development you know you don't have to kind of there's no there doesn't need to be any kind of doubt or or speculation you can ask somebody you can ask a, a youtube blogger a question you know they're creating these kind of communities that provide provide really safe spaces for those needing mm. to ask questions and kind of we can recognize and, and see uh, the multitude of journeys around the world and the individual journeys you don't have to rely on mainstream media which might you know stereotype and, and hugely get things wrong you know you can speak to someone you know really living that experience Mm. I think that's yeah. You're like, which I think is a huge positive, and it's so amazing as well that you can not only like see people's entire journey and know that it's not being trans isn't just like there's no real destination. There's no like being fully transitioned. There's no like perfect end goal of what you'll look like. There's all Mm -hmm. sorts Mm -hmm. of stages through your transition, and also that transitioning looks like many different things. Not every trans man is going to be hyper macho, and not every trans woman is going to be hyper femme. Like however you feel best is valid, and that's you know you can be anywhere Mm -hmm. on the spectrum and still be valid as trans. You know, and that is something that you get with the internet that you don't get just walking around. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, places like Instagram and Tumblr are seen seen as being quite far safer places to show um, you know a a journey um, or or certainly more receptive platforms for being open and you know even even like being a role model. Like there are so many people who are just you know putting out information. And, you know, documenting their journey who um, are getting loads of recognition just because people are, we don't have that in mainstream media. Yeah. You know, so these these are particularly, I think, you know, queer joy and um, trans positive stories are being kind of expressed. And, and these real life reflections are readily accessible for trans youth, you know, who would otherwise just not have access to any of that lived experience. You know, if you're living in a, a small town um, and you don't know anyone else who is like you, you can go online and you can see that people are existing and thriving and flourishing and I think that's so key Mm. and maybe you know maybe it is hugely worth the risk in order to just be flooded with queer joy and positive experiences and seeing that that is happening and that is also valid yeah and I think it's such a um because there is this whole we must protect the children 
vibe about the internet specifically Mm -hmm. and definitely like i've had some when i was a young person i had some really questionable like exchanges with older people on the internet but yeah so long as you're conducting yourself safely you've got your account on private and you know that you're like Mm -hmm. engaging in a group that is reputable or like uh, official i guess because there's like official queer groups to chat in um from organizations like it is a good place to get that kind of exposure and know that you can be happy mm. and that you will be happy and you will be okay yeah, educating and like, people yeah. yeah educating young people on online safety and not just saying the internet's evil don't use it everyone uses it yeah you can't stop it so you have to educate people on how to be responsible online exactly yeah. the internet is amazing it's just about how you use it because it can be used for evil and it can be used for good and so just as long as you're like yeah being safe and all and that so much like... evil happens and those are the stories that are put out into the world in order to kind of yeah to fear monger and to kind of you know terror people and queer people and, and trans people in particular go through such a lot of shit and trauma every day and of course that is a yeah. reality and yeah and like you but said in order you... to change that we have to you have to flood it with joy as well. And like you said, we own, we hear the... It's not a reason to... We, to dis- yeah, we hear the negative news because that's just what is considered news. That doesn't mean that that's a, like bad things, only mm-hmm. bad things are happening on the internet. Because no people aren't... If, if someone's yeah. not out and they're having good experiences on the internet of like engaging with queer spaces, they're not going to... It's not going to be something you yell about mm-hmm. if you're not out yet. If, even if it's good and so that's the reason yeah. you don't really hear about hear about the good things is because it's it's there for people who can't yell about it yet and yes there are some negative experiences yeah. but they're i believe they're, they're outweighed by the goodness out there what like perpetuates these stereotypes is that there's just such limited uh, exposure of um or representation of of trans experience authentic trans experience in mainstream media you know it's so it results in a really limited understanding of what transgender individuals actually experience and what you know it's like to live in society as a, a trans person mm. and like the power of social media is just this opportunity to outwardly uh, project one's truth yeah. um, to portray a community like from the inside from the genuine perspective of those existing within it yeah. so i read yeah i read some i read some i read some more stuff in uh, Carrie Davis's introduction to practice with transgender and gender variant yeah. youth, 2009. She states positive role models for transgender youth are exceptionally rare in mainstream media, and she's right. Mm. You know, this is so important for trans youth to find to access role models in online spaces to establish uh, peer groups um, and to share information and positivity. All all queer people taking up space online. It's just this way of validating not only our experience but our, our existence isn't it? And I think that's what's really key about social media, you know, having this this active role within social media that enhances well-being and engagement. You know, like mm. uh, messaging and, and commenting is going to be more significant to LGBTQ plus youth um, because it's that sense of building a community and playing a part uh, within a readily, readily constructive social group, something that already exists and it's okay to to join and to to make your mark within so social media is uh as i mentioned it's it's really important for people in rural settings um mm. lgbtq plus youth um who uh you know might not have the most accepting family structure or who might live in conditions of poverty uh might not otherwise have access to these communities basically yeah, um, yeah. and in this way connection sought through social media 
can be life-saving. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, like previous research is known to like really emphasize uh, the negative impacts on young people, you know, increasing stress and anxiety levels. Um, but these new studies uh, provide evidence that LGBTQ plus youth participants are just more likely to use social media to enhance their well-being than uh, previous um, generations. And with younger adolescents in particular reporting a more significant impact to their mental health and well-being you know because of this in particular because of this active active role that people are taking by you know engaging in 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 commenting and yeah commenting and and kind of liking things and oh like having discussions even like discourse yeah 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 because there is something like being passive and just like just liking a picture or something is one thing but then actually commenting making friends having conversations engaging it's like, like a really yeah, yeah messaging peer-to-peer yeah all this connection is you know is is real mm. and just kind of finally um i was uh i revisited susan sontag's uh essay on photography yeah i'm not sure i don't know if you've read it um, uh, i haven't no but i think I was sort of reading it with this uh, kind of lens of substituting uh photography for uh, social media okay um and in many of um the examples that she gives uh, when describing how we uh, relate to experience through photography. So she writes about how events can become more real uh, when experienced through photographed form. Mm. And for for me, what that what that meant was, uh, you know, as a community, we can experience this this wealth of uh, global queer events uh, online at the moment, and we can experience joy from from looking at pride events in in countries hundreds of miles away from us and yeah we can express solidarity with people overseas you know we we feel the suffering that people in our community are going through yeah. um we can empathize on the other side of the world. Like we can feel for them yeah 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 it, it really is that thing of like finding and, you know we can people. feel the, the drive and yeah yeah we you know we have a pull to find our our people and to and to support queer siblings standing up for human their human rights as they take to the streets you know we feel it so much more because of this connection and uh, as susan sontag says uh photographs are valued because they give information uh they tell one what is what there is they make an inventory Mm. um and in the same way social media platforms allow us to uh to document and to engage with our community in real time day and night we are absolutely connected we almost feel as if we're right there with them you know it's this ongoing archivist process Mm. um to say to say we're here you know we're here we're bearing witness we're watching and yeah we're experiencing you yeah we see you and you see us as well and that bearing witness is so it's so important to feel witnessed and that's one of the reasons that, mm. like, like some people go to to therapy, for example, is they want to be seen, they mm-hmm. want to be witnessed, and have their story heard. And that in itself can yeah. be validating enough to help process what's going on for you, or what has happened, or what you've been yeah. through as a queer person, like coming to the coming into realization of of who you want to be, you know, who we who we want to yeah. grow up to be, and it's. To be witnessed as you want to be can be so powerful. Yeah, yeah, witnessed at all. So that's the internet, right? That's the internet being born, you're witnessed. Um, Social media is enhancing that by saying um, you can engage, you're part of a community, here are your peers. Yeah. Go, co-create, make make art, you know, build families and have a life and it's all there and it's, um, it's in inventory now. You know, it's performing 
without our knowledge um, on the stages, on our virtual stages that we've made. And, and you know, it's going to be there for a really long time, um, yeah. whether we like it or not. And um, But it is, yeah, we're here. Uh, we, be- we watch, we bear witness and uh, we experience this. Yeah, yeah. That was so good. Daisy, you've done such amazing research on that. So don't be, yeah, don't be scared. Don't, don't be scared. Don't be scared. Media. It's, it's an exciting place. Just be safe. Be safe, yeah. That's so, yeah, thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for listening. It was really, you know, I work in tech, so it's really it's really nice to actually like, delve into... Yeah. It's quite close to your heart, this. ...stuff that is ru- ruling our lives in, from our pockets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as much as I'm absolutely terrified about the internet and, you know, reading this report, I was like, God, we're all, you know, 490 million people, yeah. new people on social media. That just blew my mind. I can't even imagine that many people, but that is the reality, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's not just your your four people on on your kind of subreddit. It's it's the whole world. <laughs> That's cool though. Thank you so much. Um, what a great talk. Thank you. Thanks for listening. That's all right. And um, if you want to get us on social media, speaking of, we're available at Radio Zaddy X A D D Y um, on Twitter and on Instagram. So far, I don't think we have a Facebook. Um, but if people, if if that is something that you desire, let us know and we'll, we can set one up. But yeah, too cool, man. get involved, get engaged, comment, let us know that you're there. Thank you very much for listening. Take Cheers. care. Cheers. Bye. Bye bye.